Welcome, 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 and welcome to the adventure of an entrepreneur, the podcast that dives deep into the world of entrepreneurship. We're going to be hearing the stories from entrepreneurs from all over the world in different industries. They're going to be sharing with us the stories of how they faced setbacks, walked through fire, climbed mountains to reach success. I'm your host, Sri Mahabir. So are you someone who is struggling with copywriting? Do you find yourself that you want to be the top 1% on LinkedIn? Or you just want to know more about the person that I'm about to bring on? He is a ghostwriter. He is the founder of Wizard of Odd Marketing. You probably know who he is, but I'm just going to say his name. His name is Luke Matthews. And today is not going to be just any conversation. We're going to learn about Luke and we're going to get live a workshop of him editing my post that I will post this week live. But going back to my guest, I mean, he only has like a hundred thousand plus followers and then he's growing on X and, you know, he's going to share what you need to do to get banned off of LinkedIn. But first, I want to ask Luke this question. What is something that no one knows about you? Not like, you know, you were an alcoholic or you lived all over the world. Like, I mean, what's one thing that nobody knows that you haven't shared? Nobody. So we're going to say like, what, like 90% of people don't know? 95%? Nobody's like, I'm going to have to sit here and think about that. I'll, I'll say... I, I used to work in ministry, so I actually used to preach in Christian ministry. I've never talked about it on LinkedIn. I think I've like dropped a reference in one post a couple of years ago, but I've not really spoken about it. I used to preach and do weird, charismatic Christian things. So yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. I yeah. would have never thought that. But then again, you can't put anything past anybody. Like I used to be a limo driver. So that's something not there a lot of know about Mm -mm. so now let's get into this story of yours before you got into ghostwriting and all of that you were in construction you actually did a post about this and you worked in construction for years so i'm always curious like what drew you to construction it's a good question i wouldn't say anything drew me to construction i kind of just you know got into it my family actually had a construction landscaping company growing up uh, so I started working in it at 12 years old, so really young. And I did online computer school back before it was cool. So way back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I basically just started working in my teen years and became a part of the family business and you know, just did school to get by. I was terrible at school, D English student, uh, did not thrive. So that's how I started working. It was construction landscaping. And then I realized I wanted to learn how to build homes. And so I just shifted into, you know, learning to build homes. And, you know, I, I kind of always thought that I would work, you know, um, spring, summer, fall, and then travel during the winter. So I did that for quite a while. And that was in my head, that was the way to live the lifestyle I wanted. Cause I was like, I, I don't want to go to school. You know, I hate the school system. I didn't want a degree. I didn't want to go down any of the traditional routes. And back in the day, entrepreneurship just just wasn't as popular it was tough you know the online thing was just getting started right so for me it was hey work my butt off uh swinging a hammer for nine months and then go travel for three and so i did that for a long time okay you said that your family owns a construction business so what's really the business about <laughs> yeah no construction landscaping it's it doesn't run anymore it ran for about 25 years and my mom my mom and i actually were co like co-founders of it uh so we split everything and my brothers worked in it for a little bit my dad didn't he, he was a corporate guy actually he worked for a and he's actually on linkedin he posts on linkedin now um but he he worked he yeah he does he worked for telus so it's a big canadian telecom company so he was he was high up in it and very corporate and my mom was more blue collar and tough as nails and that that's more my route so i went nah i don't want anything to do with corporate I want nothing to do with these people, which is why it's hilarious that I'm on LinkedIn because it's the last 
place I ever thought I would be, the last kind of people I ever thought I'd interact with. Like I hated the corporate world. Like I, I looked at what my dad did and went, I want no part of that. I don't want to wear a suit. I don't want to have to talk properly. I, I want nothing to do with this world. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why fact- I went, hey, let's go the opposite way. Let's go into <laughs> construction and religion. So that's what I did. And you know what, though? You could be religion. It doesn't matter which way, but the whole construction part I can get. And yeah. it's and what I'm hearing is that you learned about entrepreneurship much earlier than what we seem to have known about you, which is kind of cool because when you first partnered with your mom, what are a few things that you learned that you still carry with you today? It's a great question. It's interesting. I, n- I haven't really talked about this much on LinkedIn. So you're, you're doing well here, getting right in there. Um, <laughs> you know, my mom showed me how to work. She, I've never seen anyone work as hard as she is. And she's incredible at sales. And the way she did it was just so unique. So I, I wish I would have paid more attention now. Back then, I was more just about the work. And I hated like talking to the customers or anything like that. But she was brilliant. Uh, at sales and she never did any mark marketing like no uh, advertisements didn't pay for news newspaper television flyers nothing it was just all word of mouth and she was just brilliant at converting people and meeting them on the street and i don't know i just learned a lot from how she converted people how she talked to customers um and she was just a huge risk taker so i learned how to take risks even with pricing like she just makes stuff up and and you could never tell that she didn't know anything like she presented such a strong front um and then she figured out after the fact and that's something that i do a lot like i'll present a really strong front but it's really just an idea in my head and then once i sell it then i go okay now i have to actually do this and i do but like i learned how to kind of sell take chances and then just believe in yourself which as an entrepreneur like you have to have that kind of edge and belief you know before the before something's a reality you have to like believe it and actually believe it to sell anybody or or you'll never sell as an entrepreneur so i'm going to bring up this comment from robert who says she'd make stuff up and then when you talked about she had to believe in herself i mean as an entrepreneur if you are not making stuff up along the way you really are struggling and i mean we all are struggling right but The fact of the matter is if a client comes to you, they really want to work with you and they say, you know, I'm just going to make up something. I want a purple unicorn with pink hooves. You're going to be like, you know, those are so hard to get, but I know a place where you can get it. And in the back of your mind, you're like, who in the world knows? I'm just going to ask my community. So I want to say that is true. You have to believe in yourself. (laughs) I'll add one more story to that because like I learned that from my mom and then I really learned it because I went off on my own in construction and I was learning how to build build decks and install railings and glass. And I remember the first job set I got put on, um, you know, and I was doing it. And I managed to sell it, get my first job. And, and there was tons of guys with years of experience, civil engineers, uh, you know, builders, like they all know what they're doing and I'm coming on there and this is my first job and they don't know that. And you have to present you have to present like you're an expert, but I would always go off and take a bathroom break. And then I'd be Googling stuff and I'd call one of my construction buddies and ask them like, Hey, how do I put this railing in? Or how do I do this? And it's just like, I feel like the important thing is, yes, you have to like, you have to sell it and believe it. But then I think when you put yourself in that spot where you have to win, you either win and do a great job or you lose and you fall apart. And I I love that about entrepreneurship. So I I learned that from my mom and, and kind of taken it on from there. Well, let's give a clap to mom for teaching you that because it is still going and working for you on your favor. And I will throw this out there. there. When I did work a corporate job, there are a lot of people out there who would say they could do something. It's a soft skill that you have, but you actually had to bring that forward. So it's something you have to hone in on. Now, yeah. Okay, so I remember you talked about this in one of an interview that you did, and it was the True Cost documentary. Because, And if you don't know who the True Cost documentary is, it's a documentary that dives into uh, brands that you go in their uh, manufacturing. They have sweatshops, they have children labor, child labor, and I will say this, you know, if your child is two years old and can clean up after themselves and cook for themselves. I don't see a problem 
with them taking care of themselves for if you're watching them. I'm just kidding. Uh, please do not. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking you seriously. Okay. No, 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 no. I, I'm just saying, I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos uh, and also TikTok videos, and you see these kids cooking and cleaning, and you're like, I wish mine could do that. But no, in this particular documentary, the dark side of manufacturing, and this is where you and at that time your girlfriend you were like you know let's write about this so how were you already into writing at that point or did you develop your writing at that time no I, I wasn't into writing at all at that point um yeah i wasn't even really on social like to me social media was was stupid uh, i joined facebook late same thing with instagram I, I didn't see the business potential of it at all to me, it was just people wasting their time. I was busy swinging a hammer in construction, failing at online poker and whatever other stuff that I tried. Uh, so no, I, I didn't write at all. I, I Like I said, I didn't do any university. I did a two-year diploma in web design, tried coding. Coding also made me angry, so I, I gave up coding. I just, I, I was good at it, but just, yeah, it just made me angry. Like at the end of every day, I was like, oh, I'm so angry that I just, I, I have to leave the day without every problem solved. And I feel like with coding, that's just how it is. Like you're never gonna solve every single piece of code. Um, whereas like construction at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, I did this, I can feel good about this. And, and anyways, so no, I hadn't written it all. Um, it kind of, again, just stumbled into it, you know, took a class at university, saw this documentary, um, was kind of moved by it. The reason being for me, small business. I grew up, like I said, my parents, my mom ran a small business with me. Uh, I always just kind of cared about other small businesses. So when I watched like, hey, these this is how these artisans are being paid across the world. And I started looking at the clothes I was wearing, uh, put two to two together and went, wow, this is kind of crazy. Uh, and then from there built out just, hey, why don't we just buy $3,000 worth of clothes from companies that are trying to pay these artisans fairly, write a post on it, put it on Instagram. Um, you know, just to spread the word. And, and that was kind of in the beginning of all the influencer marketing days. Um, so it just kind of picked up and the brand started reaching out and went, Hey, you know, can we send you this piece of clothing for you to write a post on it and share it with your audience? Cause it started building an audience on Instagram from that. Cause it was really niched. Obviously that was before sustainability. It really wasn't that popular back then. It was really weird to talk about like, Oh, what, like, you know, this has an impact on the environment, this t-shirt that I'm buying or like this, this hurts <laughs> like people are like, this is weird. I just want to go buy my, you know, H&M t-shirt, leave me alone. Um, so it was, it was early days, right? So it worked for that reason and started getting more brands reaching out. And um, yeah, took three years for me to go full-time from that, but it, it made pretty decent money on the side. So I'm going to get to Robert's question, but the first thing I have is like, what was your surprising moment during this time? Like it came out of left field and you're thinking, what? I didn't even know this is possible that you, you know, that's helping you today. Sorry, I missed that question. I like was, you know, when you listen and you zone out, this is such a bad thing that I do. You'll have to get used to it. I'm sorry. Can you so here's a secret. As an um, interviewer of interviewing people over, I don't know, 500 times, you do that too. You learn to listen to the end of the question. Yeah. That's a tip for everybody. No, I'm, and I, I will say that because sometimes you have guests that, and this is like a true, true tip for anybody. You'll have guests sometimes who are like, can we get through it? But, yeah. and you learn to listen to the end of the question. So the question is that, you know, you've been going, you no experience. You're just learning on the fly. What is a what is a experience or a moment that you had that just you were like what is this and that it taught you a lot from it? So okay, so um, no experience, and then something that went wow, this is crazy. What did I learn from it? Yes. Okay, so I think so. It's going to be back on Instagram. So like I said, the blog started for me in 2016 on instagram it was posting pictures um and then writing a long post at, on a blog and then sharing it on facebook and twitter so i think for me the first thing i realized was that wow we put all this work in for these companies so it would take like 
25 to 50 pictures, pick the five best ones, put it on a blog, pick the two best ones, post it on Instagram. You do all this work and you get like a one word thank you reply. <laughs> and you're like, oh, like for me, like I'm mouthy. So I'd always want to melt them off. Um, and so, and I did that in construction, like in construction, if, if you weren't happy with something, you just chew people, it's contractor to contractor. I just yell at them and just call it out. Right. And in this space for me was the complete opposite. It was, it wasn't construction guys. It was like environmentalists, feminists, like far left people, like, like totally not my kind of people. And, and I'm very, not that I'm far right, but I'm like seen as that I'm like construction guy, NFL football, you know, just so I learned like, oh, these people are like not, not the typical kind of people that I hang out with. I think the biggest challenge for me was just the constant like communicating with someone that's so different from me as far as deliverables on the content or even the words that were written. Um, because I learned on Instagram to write primarily for the brands. I didn't have any of my own personality in the content. So it was not charismatic or saucy like it is now. It was very removed from me. And so I think I had a lot of wow moments where I thought, oh, I wrote this like really safely and well, and they'd still go like, no, that's too much for us. Can you scale it back? Um, so I think, I think that was an interesting challenge for me, the three years of doing it. It just wasn't personal at all, but I learned how to separate myself from content. So now when I'm writing for clients, so people ask me like, oh, is this going to be in your style? Cause we like you and you're, you obviously know how to build an audience and grow, but we don't want your style. We want our own. And I can do that easily now because I learned how to separate what I would do from what a client wants or what a customer wants and it doesn't bother me. And so I think now it's really paid off. Whereas then I just went, oh, this is so vanilla. Like, come on, why can't you just, you know, like I add a little sauce, like, why do you care about this? <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. And I was actually writing down my question, which you already answered. So, and that was how does your, because you were writing for people and dealing with people that are opposite of you, how did is how does it help you today? And you answered it, so thank you. And I, knew, I just know where you're going. Like I've, you know, I'm just good at this. <laughs> I might not listen to all your questions, but hey, I'll get there. Ah, <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, this could be something regular if you guys like it. I know I'm, just, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, this is my audition right here. So Robert hey. is asking, what was the moment when you knew you were a good writer? So it's a good question. So I know the answer to this because I actually made a video with Mr. Danny Del Vecchio, who's, who's a great dude. Um, and he asked me this. So this is a good question. So I, I realized I wouldn't say like great writer, but I knew I was decent. Um, I wrote something for my brother and it was right when COVID started. So he works for Air Canada. He's a flight attendant. Um, it's his dream job. He's a unlike me, a very intelligent dude, got a master's in psych, uh, speaks five languages, really smart guy, but decided, hey, I love traveling and I want to be a flight attendant. So it took him a while to get the job in Canada. Air Canada is the leading airline. So he had to start in a small one, work his way into it, yada, yada. Anyways, uh, I think it was after a year of doing it, COVID hit and they laid off over 50% of their staff, obviously, because no one could fly. Um, and I remember, you know, him telling me he was just really choked about it and nobody knew if, Hey, that's going to be it for a couple of years. A dec we didn't know. Right. Um, and so I wrote a post about it, you know, just how I felt listening to it. Um, and it went viral on LinkedIn and I can't remember how many likes it was, it was well over 2k, 3k or something. And anyways, LinkedIn, someone from LinkedIn saw it, reached out and offered him premium LinkedIn premium for a year to help him with his job search. He ended up getting three to four interviews from the post because I mentioned like he was looking for work and this thing. And um, he never took any of the jobs or anything. But I think that was when I knew, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty decent at this. Like it got the attention of someone from LinkedIn. It went viral. And, and I literally was just kind of writing my feelings from it. Um, so it, it surprised me. And I knew like, oh, I'm, I'm not too bad at this. So we have a question from Maria, which kind of goes into Hi, kind Laura. of what you were talking about. Hey, Laura, how do you know what you will write will be approved as by the people who hired you? Maria, how are you doing? She, she's awesome. She follows me around everywhere. So nice stalking, Maria. Um, how do you know what you write will be approved? So there's stages to ghostwriting. When you're first starting out and you're trying to prove yourself is, is the hardest period for this. Uh, I remember a client that I worked with for two years where we met every single Friday 
and they went through every piece of content that I posted on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and they'd critique it. And we'd basically change up our strategy every Friday. And it was very, it was very humbling because I thought he was wrong. I mean, hey, I've got an ego. And so I'd argue with him all the time. We'd go back and forth, but ultimately he was the client. He paid the bills. So when you're first starting out, um, you don't know that everything's going to get approved. In fact, most of the time you're going to get a lot of revisions and it's probably going to annoy you. Now, as you gain experience and you start to prove that you're good through results and case studies, it gets a little bit easier. Um, so, you know, two years after doing ghostwriting for me, I had less approvals, you know, I had less critique. Um, I had to change less of the content. A, I was getting better. So that's part of it. But also B, I learned how to present myself just in a very strong way so that my client just respected me more and went, oh, okay, he must know what he's doing. And social proof helps and case studies helps. Now, after having done it for almost four years, I'm transitioning to a point where I don't have approvals. I have a limited amount of clients that I work with. And I basically just tell them now, hey, if you work with me, there's no approvals. You can see the hook, but you just have to let me ship. I, I don't want you involved that much. And if not, fine, I'll refer you to someone else. But like that's the model that I'm moving towards now, just because I know that, hey, I can't scale too big and approvals and all this stuff like it's just such a time waster when really like i know it works you've given me the information let me do my job uh and stop nitpicking stuff so i guess the, the complex answer is you have to know the stage you're at in your ghostwriting journey and be okay with you know the stage you're at how much social proof you have how much work you have right if you, if you only have a couple of clients and you need to keep them well you can't be as confrontational you know as like, I'm, I'm lucky that I can now. I don't care if I lose a client. I'd rather lose a client than have someone annoying. I actually, you know, will say this. Sometimes not all money is good money. Like I had learned that this year. And even though I was struggling in the beginning of the year, I fired somebody just because I was like, this is really coming close to a line where you are, you're, you know, you basically are trying to take over what we're doing for you. So that you can prove a point. And if you think that that's going to be better for you, then we need to end today. And they were shocked. They were like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, "Some, not all money is good money. And I'm with you on that. Like, sometimes you have to say, it's okay. We got to part ways. I mean, and I've learned that twice this year. So we do have a question that's from Lara, who's asking, why is Matt Barker so good? <laughs> <laughs> Such a troll. So we we joke around a lot. I don't know if you followed me, but I basically raced Matt Barker. He's another ghostwriter. I'm sure everyone else knows him to 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. He did beat me, unfortunately. Um, and so we would tr we trash talked each other for. Oh, I say each other. He was actually really nice about it. I just constantly trash talked him, and then I ended up losing. Um, so we just basically joke about it. And Lara likes to bug me all the time about how great matt barker is so he is actually really good if you want some hook templates if you struggle with hooks you should go check out his page he has some really good hook templates uh and uh he's a little boring but he's good at his job so so this is what i'm going to do i see your questions but i feel like some of your questions would actually go with what we're about to do which is luke is actually going to take one of my posts that i will post this week it's a video to give you some Background. I find that many entrepreneurs struggle writing content ideas. So I thought, hey, Amazon Prime just came out with a health insurance and it's $9 for Prime members. And I thought, well, there are three people that came to mind. And I was like, and I just shot the video. And so it's it's it was created and I give actual prompts. So if you're an entrepreneur, what how you would use this article, if you're an insurance agent, how you would use this article, and if you're a doctor, how you would use this article. And so I actually shared my post with Luke, and so I'm going to let him share the screen. And as he pulls it up, I will look at your questions and ask it because there is one that says, from Laura, who says, how can I go viral? And so that's something like, you know, we could just if Luke can show it in this video or in this part where he's going to edit my post, then we will. So I'm going to add it to the stage right now. I can also answer questions while I'm writing. I can 
I can multitask. Let me know. Like, I'm going to zoom in. How okay. far should I zoom so you can see? So you guys things. let us know. I'm going to look in the comments. I have this my phone. Zoomed. I'm like, I'm here's my phone right oh, here. Oh, you're on your phone. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm always on the phone when I'm live. And I am. I can I see it. That. I forget humans use phones. I'm all, I'm literally always on my desktop and then I'm like, oh yeah, people use phones. So uh, I do see it obviously like, you know, okay. I'm just blind, but if well, you, if you, you, you know what, there's a great thing called replay. So definitely. And if you're catching this on the podcast, sorry, you got to watch the live, but here we Ooh, go. So, go. so okay, I'll walk the, through it. all right, let's go. Oh wait, so you, the, you know, you do your host thing. I cut you off, do your host thing. And then I'll jump well, so Laura asked, how can I go viral? And I actually have some thoughts, but I want to hear what you got to say. Sure. So first of all, just know she's just trolling. She knows she knows how to go viral. <laughs> go look at her account. But this is, hey, there are people who are listening in, who are watching this or okay. watching the replay. They want to go viral because they never went viral. Like, I'll be honest, I've never had a million impressions, yet I have gone viral multiple times with my videos and my posts. Fair but enough. I would cool. love, okay. I would love to know what's the secret to going viral. We'll answer it. Before I answer it, I'm just I'm gonna be fiddling while I talk. So I'll just tell people this is authored up, great tool. What I like it, grade it tells you the grade reading level here in the bottom left. So this is grade nine. So right away, I aim for grade one to three. So this is too intelligent. You're gonna lose a lot of people on social media. They just don't have the patience to read it at a grade nine reading level. You just have to accept it. Uh, this is, it also tells you the character count. 765 is pretty good. Um, most posts are five to 700 that do well. I do a lot of long form, which I consider 1000 character count or more. Um, so it tells you that. Also on the right-hand side, I'll make it dark so you can see. It does a mobile version and then a desktop version for previews. I always write it on mobile because again, like you just said, you're on mobile. Most people use mobile. Um, so there you go. That's just a quick breakdown. Now I'll tell you about the hook and then we'll get to the question and let me edit while we talk. I hate when the hook spills over like this. And what do I mean by spillover? I've highlighted it for you. You, you don't want to have your sentence run over into the second line like this. You, you want to say your hook in one line. So that's the nice thing about this preview count. It shows you the one line. So for example, and I'll edit it a bit. There you go. If I move to desktop it works. Whereas the way we had it, it spills over like this. And the reason being, it's just clunky and you're going to lose people. It, it's just the way it is. Like no one's going to read that. They're scrolling the feed. It's just too hard to read. Whereas if you go like that, okay, you've told me really quickly what your post is about. Same thing here, you know, desktop, you want it simple there. This spills over again. You don't want that. Um, you want to make room for it. Anyways, that's the boring stuff. I'll edit it while we talk. So how do you go viral on LinkedIn? Well, the, the first the first answer to the question is you shouldn't worry about going viral. Now you're going to say, that's what everyone says. Why are you being so lame? You know, don't be lame. Give us a real answer. Well, what I've found is, yes, I know some posts that are going to do well. I never know what post is going to go completely viral. I know I know when stuff's going to go well, though. But to try and go viral, if if you're asking yourself, I need to try and go viral, your account's probably in the position that you're not even, you're not set up to go viral, meaning you're not doing the correct things with your account to give yourself the shot to go viral. So that's always my answer is if someone's saying that um, you're asking the wrong questions. To me, that's what it shows. So there's your answer. It's a non-answer. But if you want to get the closest right now, do a cheat sheet. So make an infographic with a cheat sheet, either about AI or productivity tips about life and ask people to reshare it or use it as a lead magnet where you go hey here's my cheat sheet make it really short form ask people to like it and reshare it and comment like a grow or comment productivity comment chat gpt and then give them something or it's like hey if you repost this uh, you'll get my free checklist for how to prompt on chat gpt or you'll get my free checklist for amazon's health prime health insurance um you know send me a dm comment it so that honestly, right now, that's how you're going to go viral. Cheat sheets. So in a podcast that I was listening to, because I love to learn how can you grow your podcast and it's called Grow the Show. And in there he had his guest, I think his name, I forgot his name. I'm going to say it. I think it's Travis Brown. And what he says that that if you continuously post 
similar content, eventually people kind of like expect it from you and it will go viral. That's just a thought. And I have yet to see, you know, from myself what he's talking about, but I have watched the content of this particular guest and you will notice like he will talk about certain things. And then after four of those videos, he goes viral. So it is something to keep in mind, like you could do an infographic and it may hit like, it might get like one reshare, but then maybe you post the same one again next month and it gets more and it keeps going like that. So don't ever think that something's not working. It's just taking time for people to know who you are. So I have this next question who is from Arturo who is saying, I enjoy Luke's material. It has personality, but what part of himself does he take to every client engagement to channel someone else's entrance interest through? Keep that on the screen so I can understand that. I enjoy Luke's material. Ah, I see what you're saying. So I think this this is where it helps to, okay, I always joke around, I have 99 personalities. It's kind of a joke. It's kind of a personality thing. It's also somewhat true. I, I have a lot of different things that I can tap into, even from life experience. Like I said, I've worked in construction. I've ran my own business. I've done ministry work. I've traveled and lived in different countries. Uh, I've been an Instagram guy, a LinkedIn guy, you know, web design. I've done a lot of different things. So I, I, I feel like I can pull from all those different experiences when I'm writing for a client. Now I can't do that for every client. I have one client uh, that literally did TED talks um, and speaking engagements, and it was all about menopause, right? Now, how, how can I relate to menopause? Well, I wrote for her for about six months and, and we did very well together. Now I learned a ton about menopause and I gained a ton of empathy for women that I obviously would never have known because um, it's horrifying. Like, don't, don't go research men. It's terrible. Like, I don't ever want to read about it again. It sounds horrible, but to write well for this client, I obviously had to obsessively learn it. So the main answer to the question is, what part of himself do I take? Um, I find a way to tap into the client through obsession. So it's just like acting. It's it's Even if it's not a part of myself, I go make it a part of myself by looking at it like a role and just being obsessed with it. And that just means reading a ton of material, watching podcasts, watching YouTubes, studying the client, getting every piece of information about them, and that's really the answer. It's like, if you want to do ghostwriting or you want to write for someone else, you just have to be obsessed about that person or that topic. And I like, I challenge myself with bizarre topics and I don't anymore because you can't scale it. Like I was doing too many different niches and it's way too hard to scale. So now for me, it's almost, you know, mostly AI. I think I do 80% AI now. And the other 20% is like high ticket coaches and boring businesses, kind of like a Cody Sanchez. So two spaces that I absolutely love reading about. So it's easy for me to obsess over um, and write for my client, uh, basically. So not not a direct answer to your question, Arturo, but basically be an obsessive person and it's not too hard. So you were writing about menopause. Did you ever reach out to your mother to ask her her experience? I did not. At the time, we were not getting along very well. So I could not reach out to ask about that, <laughs> to be honest with you. Okay, that's, you know, fair, fair. And so Robert, <laughs> and as a woman going or facing it, yes, it's not fun. But remember. Robert is asking, what is your opinion on AI as a writing tool? Good, good question, Robert. Um, so AI is a writing, I love it. I'm obsessed with AI. I use it every single day. I've posted a lot of guides uh, or posts recently about how I use it. I, if I'm having a slow day, can use AI to get me 80, 90% of the way there. And then I'll edit four or five times super fast to put my own tone in it. So if you're a really skilled writer and editor, I think you can take AI and get you really close to a nice finished result. And then you finish it off with your editing skills and your personality. So I love it. I don't, I don't view it as a threat at all. I use it all the time. Um, and I think the people that just use it incorrectly, I can see it everywhere and it, it doesn't work. You need to use it and then be really skilled at editing um, and know the platform or the medium that you're speaking through for it to work, at least currently. I think eventually it'll work no matter what. So for you guys who are watching, I actually took my video. I used an, an app called Descript and I pulled out the transcript. I also use CapCut to edit videos, 
But right. in this case, I really wanted to get the transcript. So I, I used that. And then watching one of uh, Luke's video on YouTube, a short, he talks about Supergrow, which is an AI writer. So I actually used that to come up with what you see here. And so he's using like, he's, he went to Symbol to get Symbols, the arrow. Yeah, because yeah, I'm on PC. So I, I use this site. I mean, I'm sure I can find it on my keyboard, but I don't know. I just use that because I added well, in something. I didn't know about that. Now I learned something. Yeah. So it's just a free website. So you can just use all the fancy arrows you'll see on a, on a Jasmine post or my post. It's either on a Mac. I think you can do it easily. And then on PC, if you don't want to figure out your keyboard, just go to this site. It's free. You just go up here, copy, paste it. Boom. I come over, I do it and author it up and then go over to LinkedIn. And the reason I do that over emojis, um, I just feel like emojis draw too much attention to them. So if you're using, like sometimes I'll use seven or eight arrows in a post. I would never do that with an emoji because it's just it's it's drawing too much attention to it in the post where I don't want it to be. So for me, the arrows look cleaner um, and they're a bit easier. You brought up Jasmine and we know Laura. So how did you three actually meet? Was it through a post or is it through DMs? Like how did this trio of characters come together? Great question. So. And I'm like focusing on the ants. So I'm, I'm getting there here, but we're stopping and starting. And this is good. So the three of us, I first met Lara in London beforehand. I actually followed her, I think the previous summer. Um, and I actually unfollowed her as well and just and disconnected because I didn't like her content. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then she kept harassing me because she's just a nice person. And I got banned on LinkedIn for about three months. Or not banned for three months. I got banned and then I stopped posting for three months because it was my seventh ban. And I got I got a warning from LinkedIn saying if you know if you got banned if you get banned again, you're done. You're not going to get your account back, right? So at the time, I think I had in the 70s, 70,000 something followers, right? And I had my ghostwriting agency, so I couldn't afford to officially lose it. So I went, you know what? I'm not even sure I can risk posting. And I was upset with the platform, so I literally just went, I'm just going to stop. So I had my VA run my business page just to keep content going. And I changed my logo to my face so that people still saw me on the platform. So I kept posting on my business page because it was safe and I would repost it. Anyways, through this whole thing, uh, Laura would bug me all the time. Like, hey, you know, quit reposting. When are you going to post again? Quit being a baby. Clean up your act. Come back. LinkedIn needs you. So that's kind of how I met her. She just was really encouraging and helped me get back on the platform, to be honest, by just being a good friend. Um, and then I noticed Jay just started blowing up the platform. I was like, man, this guy writes amazing. And I just like to learn and get better at everything I do. So I went, man, I, I just need to study what he does to get better. Um, so I started paying attention to his posts more. Um, and then long story short, I kind of was homeless that year, living in a camper van, wandering around, sleeping in warehouses and on couches and long stories anyways. Um, and so I, I was in London at the time. And I, you know what? I, I just need to go visit a country, change up like where I'm visiting, where I'm living. I was like, yeah, why don't I just go to Bosnia? So I literally just decided and then sent him a message like, hey, man, if I come to the capital city, which I can't say correctly, Sarajevo, I think that's close. Um, if I come here, can, you know, can we hang out? And he was like, yeah, you know, you can, you know, I'll make some time. We can hang out. So I booked it. So I literally decided, booked it in a couple hours. Um, went there for about 10 days. And when I booked it and did it all, um, Lara heard that I did it. And was like, oh, I want to come too. And she just tagged along and joined in. Um, and then that's how we all hung out. And then just by hanging out, you know, we created a group chat after. And then from there, just helped each other grow and um, challenge each other. And honestly, those two have been a huge part of my year this year. Without their help, I don't know if I'd still be on the platform. You know, I, I, I did have that final ban and I was really frustrated with LinkedIn and I'm, I used to be a big troll and I still kind of am, but I struggled with just trolling kind of lighthearted trolling, but still it would kind of cross the line sometimes and be a little bit angry and they would help me like, Hey man, delete that comment, like clean up your act, like quit doing this. And so it was just those accountability friends that really helped me out a lot. And then I leveled out, just leveled up just because they're so good at, copywriting and what they do and went oh i'm like i can be at this level as well and i was and so i i kind of raised my game because they were so good you know and, and the way they communicated so I'm, I'm really grateful for them and that's that's how we met 
Okay, I've got like two questions and then I'll get to the audience. And so the first one is, how do you go about getting banned on LinkedIn? So you don't do this. <laughs> how, how to avoid, you mean? I'm asking the question. I said, how do you? And everybody else can interpret it in the way they okay. want to. First, I want to say hi to Gabe's hanging out. Gabe is awesome. Also a fellow streaming maestro. Gabe loves streaming. He does. Awesome. What's um, up, Gabe? And then Anesthesia in the audience. And then who else? Arturo's in there. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Puerto Rica, um, Coda, yes. LinkedIn user. Awesome. I don't know who you are. Where do you get your AI news from? Whoever that is. Um, anyway, back to, back to the question. How did I get banned seven times? All right. So my case is very unique. And I have to tell people that get nervous about being banned after I share it, like, Hey, you're, you're fine. You're most likely not going to get banned. People literally drop F-bombs in their posts. They don't get banned. They troll other people. They don't get reported. Um, my case is a little bit unique. There's a few reasons why. Number one, like I said, I came from Instagram. The space I was in was a sustainability space. There was a lot of political activism in that space as well that I wasn't a part of. Um, but a lot of the people that I got to know we're very much into the environmental movement and activism, feminism, all those things. So I was well known in that space on Instagram. When they come over and find me on LinkedIn, uh, they had they didn't really know me on Instagram because all I did was uh, write, you know, kind of advertisements essentially for these brands. I didn't share any of my personal thoughts or opinions or any of those things. On LinkedIn, I have. On LinkedIn, I've, I've just went, hey, I'm going to share whatever I want. Um, I speak my mind and I have throughout the four years here which is also why I've been banned. Um, you know, I made a couple posts during COVID times, which we won't get into, that got me banned instantly. Um, and then I've made certain posts with strong opinions about uh, current events a couple times, got banned for those. And then, you know what? I just have fun with my friends. And, you know, like, for example, I said Matt Barker was unpleasant to look at, and I actually got banned for a day because of that as well. Someone reported it and got me banned for that and i appealed it and they kept me banned <laughs> and then they they released it like oh yeah that that probably shouldn't have been banned for that so i think i get reported more than other people just because of that whole instagram factor and pe people coming over i actually still get dms from people that used to know me on instagram they find me on linkedin and then they they really hate like the hustle bro content and kind of the the masculine vibes it just they just hate it so they tell me like hey i'm gonna go report your stuff so Kind of weird, kind of a unique situation. No one else really, I would say, should be worried about it. I've cleaned up my act the last four or five months as well, where I don't do any of that kind of trolling or playful joking, really. Like, I'll share some memes in the comments and have some fun, but I'm very careful now because I know that, you know, any, any post that I share could technically still be my last if it gets reported and I get, you know, I get banned. So I have to be really careful. I do know one person who every time gets on here, some of you know him, his name is Kenny Drunner. And I don't know, he always says, savor the flavor, savor the flavor. And somehow Kenny. he gets banned. He's banned right now. He has no idea why. And nobody on LinkedIn can tell. So my next question that I have is because you've been, yes, free KDJ. You've been on multiple platforms. You've grown on Instagram. You're growing on X. You've been on Facebook. You learned about ads. You are on LinkedIn. What are some similarities that you see when it when it comes to these platforms? And what are the differences? So good question. So I think, I mean, it depends what you're good at. You know, is video your strength? Is photography your strength? Um, is writing your strength. Like you need to know what your strength is. I think platforms now, especially, there was this phase where every platform was trying to do everything. And then they went, we can't do that. Twitter, for example, had Twitter stories for a few months. Instagram had, uh, LinkedIn had LinkedIn stories for like, I think it was three months or something. Um, so I think every platform tried to like, oh, let's let's do everything. And then realize like that doesn't work. So you just have to know your skill set. Like if you're really good on video, then obviously you should be on a YouTube or a TikTok maybe Instagram as well. Um, if you're good with words, then it's LinkedIn and Twitter. You know, uh, If you're good with images now, Instagram's kind of gone back to uh, images being the focus where they went to Reels for a while. So go to, go to Instagram, go to Pinterest maybe. You got some artistic flair as well or recipes or DIY. 
I think it's just knowing your skill set, really. Um, that would be my best recommendation. I love LinkedIn because it's more about business. You know, I used to I used to like criticize LinkedIn a lot, but I like it now because I know I can log in and most people are here to be about business. They're serious with their platform or or what they're doing and more intentional with their time. Same thing in the DMs or the the founders that you try and work with. Whereas in other platforms, uh, for example, on X recently, I started doing the odd spaces and we would do profile audits. A lot of people would come on and I asked them like, oh, you know, why are you on X? What's the reason for your account? And they just don't know. They're just hanging out. They're there to read the news, uh, go in spaces and talk to people. They're, they're literally just hanging out, having a good time. And like, I don't really get that. You know, like I have a good time with what I'm doing. I make, I make my daily job on LinkedIn fun. I really do, but I'm still here for a reason. And if I didn't have that reason, I'd be gone in an instant. I, I wouldn't post if I couldn't make money. So I think I connect more with LinkedIn because it, there's a real reason. Almost every single user has a reason for why they're here. Whereas an X, that's not the case. Even Instagram, it's not the case. People are there to check out thirst traps or, you know, learn some stuff from Danco or what, you know, you know, people are there not just to make money. They're there to consume. Right. And I feel like LinkedIn is the least um least that way of all the major platforms and i'm just not a consumer like I, i'm all about action and making money and making good relationships and if i can't do that i i don't consume content to be honest i, I don't watch podcasts i, I don't watch youtubes uh, i wouldn't scroll instagram or twitter or anything to learn uh, when i learn i go to chat gpt um, or i specifically search something to read and study it so that's just me though that's great to know that, you know, I know you're not coming around my content because I do a bunch of videos. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> I, but I literally, I think I've watched a full video on LinkedIn to the end, like only a handful of times. There's this one dude named Nat Berman. I comment on his posts every day and I have since 2020. And until this year, I hadn't watched a single one of his videos. So there you go. <laughs> well, that brings a good point because this shows like, even though video is a powerful tool, we are become we have been trained we can see within the first two seconds what we like and what we don't like and so not you could be a favorite for somebody and they can skip it but you could actually say something they want to watch and they will and you know when you were talking about just like the different platforms and you i also have learned like you just go to where are your people like if they are hanging out on Instagram, but you're bigger on LinkedIn, then how about you start learning about Instagram? If they are on X, um, start to hang out on X. And I actually work with a coach named Sunny. He taught he's teaching us how to do storytelling mm -hmm. so that you can do copywriting. And he says if you really want to learn how to get better at your writing and be concise. That's what X is because you don't want to have something so long. People don't read that. People read the funny short or, you know, they just want to get to the point. So what's going on with the post? So I'm focusing over here now. I find it kind of boring. Like I, I don't know anything about this space, right? So I'm just going based off the copy. So what I'm thinking is to convert this section to like a kind of analysis on and i'd probably switch this to like what they did right versus what they did wrong um instead of like the way they had it before was just three takeaways and i feel like because this is kind of a unique like most people aren't scrolling like oh amazon prime health insurance i feel like it's not something you're looking for when you're on linkedin so if that's the case it needs to be really easy black or white so i think uh what they did right what they did wrong um is a better way to get attention so now i would have to go find more information because to me that's cutting out all this stuff this this is just fluff insurance agents consider adjustments how can you doesn't matter boring Engagement. but but it, i i just put in so i actually shared a document for you guys to know i shared a document with luke and i just put in there luke the transcript of the video because it will give you some did you I just did it right now and okay, it'll give you some it. more context of where this is coming from. So I've used super grow. I took my, my actual transcript. I put it in super grow. I said, create a post from it. I Parker. picked an outline 
and this is what it came out. So it is a little bit like, what is this? What is she talking about? So yes, mustache mm. is ballin'. I know. No, I'm just kidding. It's not me. It's not <laughs> <like you. laughs> but Balji is asking, do you ever have days when you don't want to write or use that skill set? Yes. I struggled to write for about six months last year um, due to some life stuff that I walked through. I, I had a really hard 20, 2022. And I, as everyone knows, because I posted it everywhere, I, I had a drinking problem. I stopped drinking. And then when I first stopped drinking, I literally couldn't write. You know, I, I used whiskey to write like a Hemingway of sorts. And it did. Honestly, it got me through a really hard time in my life, kept my business alive. When I gave it up, um, I, I went from being able to write 200 plus posts a weekend, which I was doing, to struggling to write five posts. And that lasted for about six months. And so I, I had to adapt and I, I hired people. I outsourced content. I fired clients. So I went from du double digit clients all the way down to three. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really difficult. And especially that, that's my business. That's what I do. I'm a writer. And I, I honestly couldn't write for six months. So what I did learn was I fixed my systems, um, you know, my processes. I learned how to work with contractors, especially other writers. Um, and I had to fire a bunch of clients and reset and build my agency better. So it worked out, but to answer that question, yeah, some days I just don't have it. Um, and I try all the hacks and everything that everyone says, Oh, I'll just show up anyway. And for me in writing, it doesn't work. Like I have to be in a flow state or I can't write. So now if I'm, if I'm not, if it's not working, I just switch to admin. I do admin. Um, I'll create a carousel. I'll hop on a call. I'll do some banking. There's, there's lots of things you do when you run an agency. So I'll just go, Hey, I can't write right now. That's fine. As soon as I can, I know I'll bang out a bunch of posts. So. And then we have Maria. So I think she was referring back to, it's a contract. Whenever you bring on a new client, uh, how many times do they require you to write in a month and a year? So this is kind of like going into some of your packages do you have like how many times are you writing posts? Meaning, you know, in a single package, what's the least amount that we can write? You would write for a client. So I do three posts a week is the smallest package that I do. Anything less than that is too small, in my opinion, to see some traction. So for me, it's anywhere from three to six, depending on the, the price they're willing to pay, how much content they have available. So I have one client that's doing six, no, two clients now that are doing six posts a week. But they have newsletters, like they're AI clients, and they're producing four high-quality newsletters a week. So then it's easy for me to go pull content from the newsletter, rewrite it, and turn it into a LinkedIn post. Whereas some clients, they don't have a newsletter, they don't have a YouTube channel, they don't have an Instagram. All I have to come up with everything based off the internet. And for that kind of client, I'll go, look, it's, it's going to be hard for me to do the volume that you're looking for because there's no direct information to pull from that they've already published. So... My answer is, yeah, clients that don't have a lot out there that aren't doing podcasts or anything or newsletters, I would say I aim for three. Ones that have a content machine, it's easy to do six. So there you have it. Have packages and be clear and upfront because even I've learned working with clients, like I actually will say, you have to have tried something. You had to have tried some type of video creation or gone live once because if you did it once, you actually appreciate the work that goes into it. If you've never done it, then you will find everything wrong, which is what I learned in the beginning of the year when the person was like, well, I want it like this. And I want it. And you actually never did it. You're learning from us. So that is also something that I, I will share with any of you. Like you have to, you have to set the, your boundaries. What are you going to accept and what are you not? And yes, we are live. We have somebody who asked, Yvonne, we are live. See, I'm touching my nose. We are live. So Baljeet is asking, do you ever do you ever quit a client um, X way through? Do you change your mind about working with them, even though they must be in a contract? Great question. Um, yes. I know yeah. the feeling. Yeah, no, I do for sure. I think you do. You get better at, I, I'm on a lot of calls every week, like I'm sure you are. And you get better at kind of feeling out like this isn't going to be a good fit for me. But every once in a while now, someone sneaks through 
um, that I think is going to be a good fit and they're just not. And I know right away, typically, uh, right after the first post reviewed. And now I just go, Hey, this isn't a good fit. Do you want your money back? Or, or I'll go, Hey, I'm going to write the first month of content with you, but we're not going to do approvals because you're annoying me. So you get one month of content and you take it or leave it, but that's it. And I'm just direct now. Cause I don't, I don't want to waste my time again. Like this isn't something I think you should do when you're starting out and you're trying to get social proof and build case studies. I'm lucky and that I've been lucky and I've worked hard to have been in this for enough years that I can afford to lose a client that for me takes away from my overall ability to run my agency. And, and so now I just, if I recognize it, you know, I deal with it. Um, the harder part is clients that have been around for a while and you've kind of set your business up a certain way and then you change how your systems work. For me, that's the bigger challenge than this question because um, like I've changed my system every six months in the way I do things. And when you keep clients longer than that and your system changes, they may not be as comfortable with that or willing to go with you. And then that, that gets to a hard decision point where it's a great client that pays well that you like working for, but your system's changed, you know? I will answer your question. Well, I know some of you are on calls all the time. I would love to be on more calls, but I do get in the DMs and I ask a few questions before we get on a call because I get a lot of questions. You'll be, it's interesting what people will ask and there's nothing wrong with it, but we just want to make, I just want to make sure like I ask like two or three questions and then by the by the third question, many people don't want to, don't even answer it, but it's like, it's nothing wrong with it. Like I, if I show the questions, you're like, oh, like why, why wouldn't they answer this one? But you'll be surprised that even that is too much because there are those who are used to just jumping on a call with someone. And then there mm -hmm. are those who are not used to somebody asking a question that's about, I'm, I'm really just asking why do you feel it's important to be on video? Like, what would this do for your business? Because if you don't know why you want to go out and get on video or do a live show or have a podcast, because you don't know your goals or you're just not clear, then this conversation with me isn't going to go well. Meaning like mm. all the questions that I could ask, but it also gives me an understanding because and I know that Luke had something different, but how I see it is like a lot of times people are like, well, this is just what people do. Yeah. But, but copywriting is what people do. Storytelling is what people do. But why is it important for you? I would love to know. For me? No, that's what I ask people. And oh. They, they don't answer. They don't answer it. It's like, okay, so what did I ask something that was bad? I mean, people, I think people are careful with their answers, rightfully so. Most people don't tell you what they're actually thinking, right? No, and they won't even, they won't give a bullshit answer. Like, oh, I, I just heard about it. Okay, cool. Let's, di let's dive deeper into it. And we get on a call. That's it. There you go. So, so Balji is asking, do you have lazy days where you just hide under the duvet? So my, I'm actually going to say, do you take lazy days? No. No, I don't. I have days where I'm not productive. So it's like where I'm like trying to get stuff done and the brain's just not working. And then I go, okay, I'm going to go take a longer walk or, you know, do something. So it, it switches it up. But like, it's just the state that I'm in, I think. And like my goals and the way I work, like I, I enjoy working. When I'm not working, I get bored really fast. Like I, when I first started out my business, I had a dream to make it to Bali, be fully remote on a computer. Um, you know, for me as a construction guy, that that seemed like heaven. Like, oh great, you know, I can make money on the internet, pay my bills, and live in Bali and do what I want. And I made it there, and I and I didn't have the volume of work I have now. And I was so bored after a couple of days, like so bored, and I was so depressed from it. It was like this is this isn't that great to me. Lots of people there loved it. It's not the city. It's not the location. It's not the beach. It's just the mentality. For me, it was, this is boring. Like, this doesn't work for me. And I just, ever since then, and I figured it out, um, I came to peace with it. It's just like, I'm just not wired that way. Like, I need to be building something always. And if I'm not, I'm depressed. And that's just the way that I work. So, no, I, I like, to me, spending all day, it's not, like, it doesn't seem like a good day to just hang out and sleep in. 
other people enjoy it. I just don't enjoy it. So I don't do it. Hey, we all have to have one. I mean, I usually take a day or two and I just reset and then I just go hard during the probably should, but I don't. Plus I also have other responsibilities like, uh, you know, I have a father has dementia and I gave him COVID. So now I have to help him walk and stuff. So it's not as easy for some people. Like I actually need a day away. So and I'll give a day to my mom. So it's a little bit different when responsibilities change. But I did want to ask what happened with the post? Was it too much or we're taking a break? Well, I got five minutes left and we were just answering questions. So I can I can literally, if you want to answer the questions, I can go back and finish it and then we can finish the live. Um I thought you, everyone got bored though. No, they were we were like answering questions while you were working on it, but um I don't want to take up more of your time. What I will say is this. If you guys have more questions, you're catching the replay or you are catching this live and we didn't answer your question, I'll make sure Luke comes back and answers those. And I just want to ask Luke, like, what are the best ways to connect with you? I know people can find you, but this is for those who are listening on the podcast and don't know about you. So I'll, I'll answer two more questions before we end, if there's two more. Um, First, where you can find me, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. So I guess we'll give the links that you can check that out. I'm also building on YouTube in 2024. So I'll be putting more about how to use AI and content on YouTube. And then a lot about uh, how to build a real business on on LinkedIn and the kind of mindset you need to do that in 2024. Uh, I'm obviously, I'm big on mindset. I'm big on, I think that everyone can work harder than the way that they're working. Obviously that's not popular anymore, but it's, it's worked for me and that's what I preach. So that, that's kind of the stuff that I'll have on the YouTube. So I'd say LinkedIn and YouTube, um, it's not worth following me on Twitter or Instagram or their garbage platforms right now. So don't even bother. (laughs) There you have it. Make sure you connect with him. And then here are the two questions. Here's Gabe's. Do you feel that people create their own crusades? to grow their own following and do the same thing as pod followers? So I don't understand the second part of the question, Gabe, so maybe you can clarify that. First, do you feel people create their own crusades? Um, Again, kind of abstract. Like mission, you mean, Gabe? Maybe Gabe can clarify it. For me, it's maybe you understand it. For me, it's an abstract question. Well, this is the other question that he, I guess that was the second question. So this must be the first one. How do you feel about pod versus organic growth? Does it really matter? Yeah, so great question. So I I think it does matter. I think organic growth, if you're selling high ticket services on LinkedIn, it works better to do organic growth. Takes more time than using pods. Pods do work. Unfortunately, fortunately, whatever your stance on them, they do work. They've been around since the beginning of, making money on the internet. They're not going anywhere. People and big accounts use them on all platforms. I don't. Uh, I don't really bother worrying about them much anymore. Now I get upset every once in a while and go like, ah, the distribution of that potting and I I get dark about it. But then I bring myself back and go, it's about what I'm doing, the way I'm building. And I think organic wins as far as building authority. Um, so like when I talk to people, like what what gives me the confidence is knowing that like I built my account, my business the real way. I didn't. I didn't use any hacks, any shortcuts. Uh, I could use all of them and be a lot bigger than I am now. But it, this gives me the confidence to like sell what I do confidently because I know I'm not using hacks to do it. Whereas I think when you when you use hacks, you have to access a different level of like brainwashing yourself to still sell essentially a little bit of snake oil, in my opinion. Um, and so I love organic because it gives me the confidence. And it works. So why do the other way when you can do it this way, put the hard work in and grow the real way? Um, mm-hmm. But I think overall, honestly, it's kind of a tiring discussion that I typically stay away from now. I just do my thing and ship and you know, other people can do what they want. I agree. Like I know I'm not for everybody, but I'm for someone. And hey. Here's a question, and it's a good one because I wanted to end it with this. What are some key elements to writing an effective post? Some key elements to writing an effective post. This is like a, you know, this would be a better question for, just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's funny, I, I don't answer these kind of questions typically. These are copy copywriter questions. It's funny, I always see myself as more of a 
agency owner, marketer, ghostwriter, copywriting. Like I've actually learned like I said, a ton from other people, but key elements. I mean, really like you want to keep your sentences short, concise. So don't blab on too much. Avoid large chunks of text. You know, most people are writing way too large chunks of text. Most people write way too long. Look, when you're first starting out on a platform like LinkedIn, no one knows who you are. If you're writing longer than 700 characters, uh, you're, you're really damaging your potential for reach. Again, no one cares unless it's perfectly formatted. Uh, and even when I do it perfectly formatted and it's longer than that, uh, I'm most likely losing reach and I'm just accepting that. So I think shorter posts, make sure formatting is good, short sentences, and then add some personality. I think um, people kind of on LinkedIn, especially focus on educational how-to content more so than having personality in it. And I think what sets you apart on LinkedIn is trying to bring in um, how you did something or your experiences, your experiences working with a client, your experiences in the business world. The more you can bring in stories that are talking about your experience to a lesson, uh, it'll help your writing be more interesting. Well, I just want to say thank you to all of you who are watching the live, all of you who are watching the replay or listening on the podcast. Both Luke and I appreciate you, all your questions. Luke, I really want to say thank you for saying no to me at the first time I asked you to go live with me and then said yes the second time, but also taking all your time today to share this greatness that you've shared with us and we learned something new. And so until the next live or workshop, have a wonderful day, afternoon, evening, everybody. And thank you again, Luke. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you found it very helpful, share it with a friend, share it in your social media. Until the next time.